Well, we are walking through a series where we've been talking about the dinner experience of, we talked about making room, making space for, for people for dinner, about the right kind of table arrangements of where you should sit when you walk into a, a, a special place, uh, the invite list, what kind of food are we offering? Are we offering feast or famine? Uh, we've been walking through this night, and, and one of the things that we sometimes struggle with is like, well, who, who's picking up the bill? Uh, and, and money can be awkward, uh, and it's awkward to talk about sometimes. And I was thinking about some, some friends who are in ministry, and there's this weird thing in ministry where like, there's a few people on TV who like, say, I, I just feel like people are, are called to give me a jet plane, and, and then that gives all preachers kind of a bad rap around, around money. Uh, and, the, and the average preacher is not going through this scenario about private jets, um, but I have friends who, who, they got like a minivan, and they've got this minivan, and they got the, their big family, and, and then they just feel really guilty. What are people going to think about me? I got a, I got a you know, fairly new minivan. Maybe people are going to think less of me. And then they trade it back and say, I, a few weeks later, like, I just can't have it. And get a beat-up minivan, and now they're going to have replacement parts they're going to have to buy and things are going to break down and costs are going to be different and but I, I just couldn't handle having it I don't know what people will think of me and I got another buddy who uh, he was working I don't remember what field he was outside of ministry he was like in construction or something and and he had this like classic sports car and he loved this sports car and uh, went into ministry and a few people at his church approached him and said hey we don't think you should have that sports car so the guy sold off his, uh, one of his joys and bought a more recent vehicle. And he sold a car that was already paid for to buy a car that he had to make payments on. <laughs> and so this car that he didn't care about that much cost him a lot more. Um, but there's just this whole perception thing around money and money gets awkward and we don't know how to talk about it and it's, it feels weird. And so we're gonna talk about who's, who's paying for this, uh, for the meal. Uh, and I hope we get to a spot where actually this is something we're excited about, not something that feels awkward. And so if you just uh, listen to this story, we're going to be in Mark today, Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 9. Uh, and just before we read it, we're, we're, Jesus is almost, uh, he's in his final week in Jerusalem. He's almost on his way to the crucifixion. Uh, and so we're in that kind of time frame as we read this story. While Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar, a very costly ointment of nard, and she broke open the jar and poured the ointment on his head. But some were there who said to one another in anger, why was this ointment wasted in this way? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and the money given to the poor, and they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone, why do you trouble her? She has performed a good service for me. For you always have the poor with you, and you can show kindness to them whenever you wish, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body for, beforehand for its burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. All right, like, like we've said in the past, when you invite Jesus to dinner, something strange, something unique, something uh, status quo shaking is going to happen. And this one, he's not actually proactively 
causing it this time, but things just happen around him that, make, that set the scene for something uh, significant. And when we start this story, it's already a little peculiar because the text just tells us, hey, he went to Bethany and he's in the house of Simon the leper and here having dinner. And you're like, wait, you don't usually eat at lepers' houses. Like, what's, what's going on here? Why do we just rush over that? And like, don't you want to pause and tell us a little bit more about why we're at Simon the leper's house? And so it doesn't tell us that he was the man who had been a leper and was now healed. You, you might assume that because of the way that social practices were, uh, but it's just interesting. It just kind of glosses over it. And that's just kind of Jesus' life and ministry. He, is, he just is with everybody. You hear that he's at a meal with Pharisees and Sadducees and religious leaders? Yeah, sure. He's at a meal at a leper's house? Yep, that, that fits the bill too. He, he eats with everybody. And so he's here at Simon the leper's house, and he's at the table, and he's eating, and a woman comes in and, and does something that startles everybody. Now, I don't know how to get at this scene um, for our exact time frame. You know, she comes in, she's got this alabaster jar, this costly ointment. She breaks the jar, pours it on his head. Now, in today's world, like, perfume does cost a lot compared to what it takes to make it. Like, it's expensive. But I don't know if it would even get at the same thing if, like, okay, someone walked in with Chanel and was just spraying the room and then came to Jesus and, like, sprayed all over him. And people are like, what are you doing? Like, what's going on here? This is a little strange. You're like, why, why are you wasting it? But I feel like that, like, that cost doesn't get at the expense of this kind of scenario. So, like, I don't know if the best way to, like, get to something that could be around a dinner table or something, if you have this, like, expensive bottle of wine. Uh, I read a story online this last week about a person that went, they were at, like, in London or somewhere. They ate at a restaurant. Their bill was, like, 40,000 pounds. And they were a little startled at this 40,000-pound bill, but a lot of it was a few bottles of wine that were like 10,000 pound each. And uh, so if you can imagine something that just costs maybe something similar to what a person makes in a year, and they have this bottle, and they just like come over, and they just like pour it all over Jesus' head. What on earth is happening? Why, why are you wasting it? Why, what are you doing? Like, that was expensive. Of like, think about whatever would startle you, because it's supposed to startle you in the story. For, for those who grew up in the church, you've probably heard this story plenty of times, and we lose the startling nature of it. But something that's super expensive, uh, a worker's wages for the year, just gets poured over Jesus' head. And everybody is wondering, what on earth is going on? And so some of them turn around, and they look at each other, and they're angry, and they're saying, why did we waste this? It's such a waste. And I think about this value disagreement. Like the woman who, who did this act does not think it was a waste. Or like she thinks, this is right. This is all that I can do. This is what I need to do here in this moment. And the people in the room are like, what are you doing? You've wasted it. And sometimes in life, we have value disagreements about what's something worth, what's something of value. Who's worth splurging on? Who's not worth that splurge? And think about, you know, if you've got close family friends, if you've got somebody that means something to you that you haven't seen in a while, if they came into town, you'd, you'd want to throw some extra money at going out to eat or whatever it is. Like, you want to celebrate. And so this woman sees Jesus in the house, and she can't help but she wants to celebrate Jesus' presence. 
She's like, here's what I've got, and she, she just pours it out on him. The people around the table, though, are doing a little cold calculation. Say, oh, let's see here. What could we have gotten for that bottle that we just emptied over in 15 seconds' time? Well, we could have fed X number of people. We could have given this amount of clothes. You know, they're thinking through the calculation. And they're saying it wasn't worth this. And Jesus gives them some pause of saying, hey, you don't understand. You're missing the value here. Uh, and he, in the story, knows where his story is leading. And so he sees this as an act preparing him for burial. It's this nice moment where somebody honors him when he is about to be publicly shamed. Like Jesus is about to be uh, beaten, uh, ripped of his clothing, strung up on a cross by a, a nation that is saying, if you want to push us, if you want to push against our way of life, this is what happens to you. You get shamed on crosses. Do you want to make that decision too? And Jesus, before he gets to that moment, has this woman who is trying to give him as much honor, as much celebration, as much gift as she has. And Jesus sees the beauty of that. Of like in a society that's about to say that I'm worthless, that I'm nothing, she sees who I am. And, and how dare you scold her for that? And this story gets used a lot to say that Jesus doesn't care about giving to the poor for some reason. He's like, well, you'll always have the poor. Um, he's saying you always have this opportunity with the poor because we live in society where that's still a reality. Every single day of the week, you have this invitation. You can serve people. You can help people. But I'm about to be gone. Like, you don't have this moment very much longer. So he's saying this is a special moment. And she's honoring me in that moment. Uh, and so it's weird that some people push against this scene and say, oh, well, Jesus is dismissing charity or something like that. But I think that there's a difference in the story. I think there's like an austerity mindset about charity versus an extravagant one. Like the austerity one is like, what is the most minimal thing I can do for people, the most efficient way I can do it to, hurt, to help as many people as possible? But it's like, all right, if we took a roll of toilet paper that was one ply and we took one sheet apart each, how many people could we give that to? Like, yay. Like, great. That's, that's wonderful. <laughs> yay, you helped a lot of people with that one sheet. But there's a difference between that and extravagance. Of like, we want to just love you. We want to give you as best as we can. We want to help you as much as we can. And this woman shows up to the scene and is like, here's the bottle of ointment I've got. I'm just giving you everything. And I love that because it says like she breaks open the top because it's saying, hey, she hasn't poured anything out of it before. I opened it up. The whole bottle's getting poured out because that's how much I want to celebrate Jesus. And there's a beauty in this kind of like, I want to give you extravagantly. I don't want to just give you the, the, the smallest little sliver. I'm not trying to figure out how to most efficiently just get as much out there. I want to I love you. I want to celebrate you. And I want to see you for who you are, not who the world sees you. And so they have completely different mindsets about what it is to give in this moment. The, the people at that table are right. They could have given that bottle over and gotten a lot of food or a lot of clothes, but they were missing an opportunity to celebrate a person in front of them in that moment. And the woman sees him. 
And I was thinking about like some of my favorite moments for us in our community are moments of extravagance. They're the moments you remember. I, I think about, you know, pre-pandemic, it was that, that weekend where Bright Walls was happening right outside of our, our building. It was so fun to go outside, make meals, and just say, hey, it's free, take one. You know, and people are walking and they're like, are you sure? Like, can I give you any money? No, 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 just, we want to celebrate. Like, hey, take one. And it's beautiful. Think about the hot chocolate giveaways, people coming downtown for Christmas parades. Say, hey, here's some hot chocolate. Like, what, what was it cost? I don't, and they're like afraid to take sometimes because they assume there's a cost. And like, no, no, no. They're like, no, it's free. And no, I'm not giving you um, a bunch of like, like, I've hooked you in, and here's a bunch of things I need from you. And, and that startles you. And uh, for those who were able to come to our friends and family night this last week on Wednesday night, it was another moment of that beauty of extravagance, of saying, hey, we want to give you a meal. We don't just want to most efficiently get that meal out. It's not just the buffet line and just kind of, you've got one of this item, one of that item, one of this item, and that's it. Don't you dare take any more. Um, but we're going to give you a seat. We're going to bring you a menu. You get to choose what you want to eat. We're going to serve you. We're going to bring drinks out and get you refills. And, and by the time we get to the dessert, we're going to startle you with some amazing sized portions of dessert. And uh, we're going to have mints. And, and we're going to give you the best experience we can give you. Because it's, it's not about trying to figure out how to give the most efficient way. How do you help people see that there's another possibility? The world can be different than whatever you're used to, whatever you've expected in life. And you're always trying to kind of like, well, what can I get out of this? Can I get as much as possible out of this experience? But here's just people just saying, take, enjoy. And that way of living is different than the way the world works. Right? Like that room in that house with Simon the leper, they're thinking about as efficiently as possible. And Jesus is saying, hey, there's plenty. Let's just enjoy this moment. And I think about the ways in which we have an opportunity to give because this, this moment of extravagance is an opportunity. Like we often think about giving and kind of generosity as an obligation. Like people will put it in terms of tithing as 10% of just take that 10% immediately of um, how much money should go to the poor. Let's just set a number out and that's the amount that they get. Uh, like we have kind of like standardized versions of this is how you give. Instead of, let's just see how much I can bless you right now. Throw the numbers out. Throw the obligations out. Let's just be jubilant. Let's have joy and serve one another. Let's just give of, of, of the, the mission, of the hope of what could be. And in this story, you know, we don't know the after effects. Like, we don't know if the people in the room's hearts are changed. But the people we know whose hearts understand what's going on is Jesus, who recognizes the beauty of that moment, of what that woman has done for him, and this woman who already showed up in that mindset. We don't know what changed her heart. Like, something about Jesus shaped her that when she showed up that day, she wanted to give this way. And so she couldn't help herself but give that way. And I think there's something about that experience that it might not be in the bright spotlights, it might be in the, the hidden kind of gaps of the story or the gaps of our lives, but 
when you've experienced something that changes your life, that changes your outlook on the world, you want to be a part of it. You want to support it. You want to give. And so when I think about the beauty of, of moments like, like with our cafe and like with the hot chocolate and things like that, of like people inevitably want to be a part of that kind of thing because they see a, a possibility of a different way of living, of a different way in the world of, of what is it to just be open-handed with each other instead of always tightening our grip on every last little bit. And so how do we give ourselves experiences where we get to be a part of something that changes people's lives, where we give ourselves an opportunity to be a part of experiences that matter so that it suddenly doesn't become, what do I have to give? What do I have to do? It gets to be, what do I get to do? Of, I would love to help out. How can I help? Like when you get to that place of, of joy instead of obligation, it's not something that you're like awkward about, of like, oh, I don't want to talk about the bill. You know, it's like, can I help you? I would love to help you. And so how do we get our hearts and our spirits into that place of joy and that place where the mission is so important, we want to be a part of it, and we can't help but be excited by it? And when we start to give and be a part of another way of life, it changes our hearts, it changes our spirits so that we want to stay a part of that kind of life. And so we take notice of this extravagant way of giving that this woman gives in the story. And something that's really important here, because some people walk into experiences differently. Like if you walked into our cafe, you have different bank accounts, you have different amounts in your your wallets. Uh, We have different experiences of what we can offer, what we can give. And I love that for our cafe, if you haven't been, you know, we, it's, it's free, and we mean it. If, if you come, you get your food, you can leave, there's, there's no bill. But if you would like to support that community, if you'd like to support that, that mission, there is the opportunity to give. And not one that we like, I feel bad about, but one we're excited to offer the opportunity to support it. And so in this story, this woman does give an extravagant amount. We don't know how she gives this extravagant amount. Like, there's no backstory given to her of, like, here's how she has this really expensive ointment jar. Does she, uh, like, is she independently wealthy? Does she work with people who, who that's their industry, is ointment? Like, what's her background to have access to this expensive jar? We don't know. But in this story, Jesus says that she gave all that she had. She gave what she could. And what you can, what, what you could, is always enough. And no one's looked at it better or worse based on what they're capable of contributing to the mission, to the story. She was able to give quite a bit in that moment. Um, but every single person has whatever they can offer, and that's enough. And so... Uh, one of the things that I always think about is sometimes we, when we think of like, okay, we're going to give away, you know, the food's free, we're going to invite people to have a meal, and you might say, see someone who's like, I've only got a couple dollars, and you might say, please don't, please don't give, it's free. But they actually just might want to give because they real, recognize the value of it, and they recognize that experience, and it is dignifying to say, if you would love to give, we'll, we'll receive that, because we're excited about that mission too. No matter what you have, if you want to be a part of that mission, you want to be a part of this, whatever you have is enough. 
And so we don't want to dismiss people because what they have doesn't seem like enough to us or it seems like maybe it's too much for us of just receive blessing back. When you give blessing, be able to receive it back and be a part of a different way of being. I love that this woman gave all that she could and Jesus is about to give all that he could in just a few days from this scene, you know, Jesus is going to be on that cross uh, where his life, all that he could, all the forgiveness from the cross of talking to people and saying, hey, they don't know what they're doing. Jesus is going to be the person that's washing people's feet. Jesus is always serving and is the model for us. What is it to give all that we can? And we know that what Jesus gave was enough. So it's enough no matter what great pains that you feel like is in your past, whatever harm you've caused, whatever disappointment you feel like you've created, whatever shame you carry with you, Jesus' love is enough. So whatever that debt looks like, whatever that you know, moral bank balance looks like for you, you feel like, I'm, I'm, too, I'm too in the debt, I, I can't get out of this. It's always enough. Love is enough, and God's love is offered. And I think when we get that love, when we have that opportunity to be a part of the blessing, we can't help but want to share that with others. You can't help but want to be more loving to people around you. You can't help but want to be more forgiving to people around you. You can't help but want to be more uh, patient, more kind. And so what is it to walk into the world and hope to see Jesus, experience Jesus every day, that you know, Jesus is in the scene and the woman sees him? But who's the Jesus that we should see in everyday life, the person that we should treat like Jesus, treat uh, like we are treating Jesus, that everybody deserves the kindness, the love, the hope that Jesus was giving and was also receiving in this story. And so I, I think that there's an opportunity around blessing people. It's not an obligation, it's a joy, it's something that changes lives, it's something we should be excited about. And that excitement is seen in the story. Jesus concludes the story saying, truly I tell you, wherever the good news is proclaimed, in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. It's like, man, she was extravagant. She honored me. And this good news that you see through her, people are going to talk about it. Sometimes we feel like people are going to talk about it for all the wrong reasons. Right? Like they're going to remember this story Remember that, that lady that just threw that whole bottle out? Man, she wasted that whole thing. We think that's going to be the message that people remember. But the message of this story that's remembered is that there is good news. That there is hope. That there's blessing in, in, in the generous life. And people will, will remember what she has done and proclaimed. And I think when you live differently, when you live more open-handed, when you live with more generosity, with more blessing, with more hope, people can't help but talk about it because we long for that world. We're tired of the world that's closed-handed, of like, that is always pulling tighter and wanting to hold on even harder. You know, we, we want to live in a world that's different. And when we get that moment, we can't help but talk about it. And um, that's one of the things, you know, behind the scenes, little details, you know, with how our church social media accounts work and stuff, uh, I can tell you the things that have gotten the most 
celebration, the most talking, has been our cafe of late, right? We share pictures, we share stories about what's going to happen, what's going to be, and you want to share about it because it's exciting about possibility of hope, of good news. And so there's something contagious and infectious, and I know in, that, in our post-pandemic world, like that, those words don't sound great, but there's something that just passes from person to person when you've got good news. And so I hope that our community continues to be one that celebrates, that, that is open-handed, that is joyful, that people know when they show up that we are a, a community that wants to be a blessing. And that's not just to be a thing of like, oh, I can just receive and receive and receive. But when we truly love, when we truly give, we create an environment where people want to be a part of that kind of life. People want to be a part of giving and supporting one another. And so I hope that maybe our stories might be like this woman, that maybe there's moments where you can just extravagantly love somebody, extravagantly celebrate, you know, exaggerate your honor, your, your love, your patience for somebody else, and that people might notice, people might be changed by that way of life, and that people want to talk about it, want to live that out, maybe we might have a different world because of it. And so we do invite this community to continue to live into that mission. You know, we don't talk about money a whole lot because there's that image in church life, again, like we talked with, with pastors, with churches about, oh, you know, they just want my money. Like, actually, we just want to bless people. We want to bless as many people as we can. Again, not as always efficiently as possible, but we want to love people. We want to bless people. We've got a blessing box. We want to just put some stuff out there that people walk by, that they can have something. They might see that they're noticed, that, that people love them. And so when, I, when we ask about, hey, do you want to contribute to our mission? Do you want to contribute to this church? It's not about what a bank account looks like. It's about we want to go bless people. And the more that we have, the more resources we have, the more we're able to bless people. And so we hope that when we invite people to contribute to our church, I hope that you see your volunteering, your service as contributing to that mission. I hope that you see that your word of mouth, your sharing of good news contributes to that mission. I hope you see that your spirit, your demeanor, your smiles, your joy contribute to that mission. And also that whatever finances, whatever resources we have also contributes to that mission. So when we get to this question of how much did the meal cost, uh, our hopeful answer is, is that we have enough. Uh, but there's always the opportunity to be a part of it, to contribute to it, so that what we have that's enough can even be greater, even more than what it is before. And so would you just join me in prayer as we reflect on being invited to the table with God? Lord, I ask that you might give us thankful hearts. Lord, we have received so much. We take for granted of the air that we breathe, the seasons, the, the beauty of the leaves changing, the joys of, of friendship, of family. Lord, we ask that we might be a people that are, are grateful, that are joyful, that are, that are generous with one another. Lord, help us to be generous with 
with our time. Help us to make time for you so that we might learn how to better make time for each other. Lord, help us to have your hope, your love, take root in our souls, that we might give out of your love and your hope. Lord, I just thank you, and I just pray that you might continue to reshape us more into your image. And Lord, help us as we continue in worship that we might just offer up as much blessing to you as we can, that our voices, that our spirits might celebrate you and give you honor because we know that your love endures. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.